Welcome, everyone, to the TKW podcast. I am Anthony Corbo, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host, Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everybody? Uh, things are, you know, it's uh, looked a little bit better towards the end of that game. Uh, but, you know, still, Knicks come away with another loss. Before we get into that, uh, make sure that you're following the Knicks wall on Twitter and tkw on twitter as well tkw podcast on twitter that is uh head to our youtube channel if you're listening there hit that subscribe button uh head to the nickswall.com we're gonna have the recap of the of this piece of this uh game already out uh we got a tkw highlight from the game already out we got you know the gears are turning the wheels are in motion you know 24 hours a day um make sure you're following me and kyle at corbo anthony at kyle maggio uh, Brian Giberman will be back with us within a couple of days, but you know, at Brian Giberman on Twitter. Um, and before we get into the game tonight, Kyle, um, quick, let's, uh, let's address a quick bit of news from this week. So we had, uh, a bit of a incident as, uh, Nick's owner, James Dolan was walking away, uh, from a game the other day when a fan kind of heckled him to, sell the team and Dolan and threatened to ban this fan from, uh, from Nick's games. He said, you know, enjoy watching them at home. You know, it's, and then, you know, it's just, uh, that's just, Dolan's going to great, done a good job. Like you've been saying, uh, you've kind of been, uh, been pioneering this, but Dolan's been on a good, done a good job of staying out of, uh, you know, out of the way this season, largely letting the front office work, but it's just, when you have moments like this, where you have this guy very clearly, like, you know, letting his temper get the best of him. And I, I get that the season's probably frustrating for him as well. And I'm sure all the sell the Knicks things have got to be crazy frustrating, but I mean, it's just not a good look from an outsider point of view on the franchise. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my main issue was he just has finally, like after years of us, um, complaining and whining of if you're not going to sell, you know, just kind of stand back and let the team operate like the Rangers seemingly always have and been a successful franchise. That's all we wanted. Right. And then he really started doing that with Phil Jackson. He said he was going to do it and he really more or less did until he had to step in uh, and, and do, you know, fire Phil at the end. And after they hired Perry, it seemed like they just resumed business as usual. He just went back to sort of being invisible. He made a couple of little uh, radio uh, radio interviews here and there uh, to discuss the state of the team, perhaps selling it or not. But, um, you know, that's all we ever asked. And he was kind of doing that. It seemed, again, to the public knowledge, maybe we don't know about the KP situation, but it seemed that way. And then, you know, it's just, it's like, why do it? Why, why do with, with all with all that you know with, with your history and with with the fans and it's 2019 and everybody has cameras like why why 
You know, at least at least go be like, look, look at him. If you need to kick him out, look at him. Go do it silently. Right. Tell your security guy where to go get him. Why? Why do the interaction? Why do the song? It, it's a bad look for the summer. I hopefully it doesn't affect much, but that is a really bad. Like we almost got to the end of the season. It is March, you know, what? 11th right now. 10th, 11th when you hear uh, you'll hear this, but just we're, we're almost there. Like three weeks away from the end of the season. It's just we, no more hiccups. Just we, yeah. we can't we can't afford it. You traded away your franchise cornerstone to have a shot at max max top flight guys this summer. Just please, just 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 don't. Yeah, it's just you know it's so interesting because you know this is obviously like a moment of of pressure. This is you know a moment of of Dolan lashing out at at this fan here. And it's just so interesting because it comes on the heels of all those rumors uh, from about a month ago that, you know, he was looking into selling the team. He was no longer interested in putting up with every all the grief that the Knicks bring his way. Um, it, it seems like maybe those reports really got to him, uh, whether they were true or not. You know, the fact that it was out there in the public eye really, you know, must have frustrated him to a degree. And at the point where now it, it's, you know, really the idea of him selling the team of James Dolan selling the team has just entered that public discourse again. Uh, so I, I just, it seems frustrating. You know, I, I get why it would be, but again, like you're saying where it's, it's almost the middle of March already. You know, we got just a couple of weeks left to the season. Is there like five weeks left to the season? There's like 16, 15 games left, you know, just, just gotta get there. Just gotta get through these last couple of these last couple of months, and we're gonna be good to go. And hopefully, that means you know big time free agents coming through. Uh, you know, hopefully, we, we've talked about it on this podcast a ton. We've talked about it. You know, uh, whether it's on the nextwall.com, whether it's on Twitter, you know, whether it's us or not. You know, the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to New York rumors are, you know, they're strong. They're 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 out there, and it, it's pretty much a known quantity at this point. It is a little interesting, though. I've been seeing this not only just in what Charles uh, Charles Oakley said today, but in what a lot of people have been saying recently about Kyrie potentially being more interested in joining up with LeBron James in in Los Angeles versus coming to New York. Um, I'm, I believe I'm that. curious how how yeah how much have you heard this? Is this something that you put any stock into? Oh yeah. I... I, I'm going to get killed for this, and it's fine. Um, I, I think that that's much, that's much more likely uh, a scenario than... It um, makes more sense, doesn't it? it it's much more likely it a makes, scenario. It makes a lot more sense for Kyrie when you just think about it. Now, the, the good news about Kyrie Irving is that he doesn't always seem to you know say the things or necessarily do the things that would necessarily be you know, what we would view as the right move. Uh, so maybe he just, maybe the right move is going to the Lakers. He ends up on the Knicks, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I found it very interesting that, uh, Charles Oakley was the one who tweeted out that, that, uh, Kyrie should be heading to Los Angeles instead of the, uh, instead of the Knicks. He goes, uh, Kyrie would look great in the Lakers uniform next year with at King James. Uh, yeah, I mean, just there's like a swoon thing that's happening with them, right? Ever since the phone call between LeBron and Kyrie earlier this year that, you know, they were, there's, there's a whole get the, uh, you know, get them back together kind of thing. There's a whole, 
you know, there's like a photo that's been going around to them both having a conversation while covering their mouths or something like that. You know, like it's yeah. just, uh, you know, there's, I would say starting to become as much smoke there as there is with him signing for New York for seemingly no, no reason other than playing with Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, and I will say like to try to save face here for everyone who's going to yell at me for not blindly believing that Kyrie is going to come here for sure. Um, I think, and, and I said this on a pod, I think we did last summer, one of them. Um, I felt like if we were going to land any big free agent, it was always going to be Durant. And I, I remember talking about the LeBron playbook and following that. And I, I think he's the only guy that you could actually like build some sort of a logical case for coming here. But I, he's the only one I'd be, I'm not even confident. I would just have a better feeling about coming here. Kyrie is, is like, for me, I just, I'll get some jokes off, but I'll believe that when I see it, I don't think he's coming at all. I think this is mostly Durant just kind of arrives, you know, pack, you know, drops his bags here. and just like, all right, we'll figure this shit out as we go. I got nothing but time. I'm age 31. The East is wide open. I'm an MVP caliber player. This team's immediately going to be a playoff team. So whatever we well, do, I'm that, good with. You got assets. You have cap space. We can do anything. I am, you know, after this season and then everything that's gone on on with the Lakers so far, I'm, I think I'm a pretty firm believer that Kevin Durant may have surpassed LeBron James uh, as terms of where they sit in, in the league wide ranking, however arbitrary that might be. But um, I don't know. I think. Some pause might be, I think Kevin Durant might pause a little bit at the thought of him just coming here by himself. I mean, you, you don't have a roster that's ready to compete other than him. This, this roster is in a worse spot right now than, right, the, than the Lakers roster was. And now look at what happened to LeBron James. Is Kevin Durant, if, if Kevin Durant doesn't have a promise from another player to go play there, like, does he look at the Lakers situation this season and say, and does that give him some pause to, to sign it with New York? No, I, I don't really think. I think he he's stated that you know players don't want to play with LeBron earlier. I think it was earlier this year, uh, beginning of the season. I think he said something about you know players don't want to go and play in that kind of a situation. Like, like as much as you guys think they do, like it's not just like oh LeBron, see everything's great. Like it's a lot of stress and you get blamed for a lot of things if you know the team underperforms because everyone knows how great LeBron is, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I don't think that he would go, especially and especially here's my thing. I don't think that he'd leave the warriors to go to another, like already. Okay. Slash good team. And I will say that about the Lakers because, um, you know, before LeBron and everybody else seemingly died on that roster one by one, um, they were an above 500 team. And then LeBron missed 17 games. You know, Brandon Ingram is now gone for the rest of the season. Alonzo has been gone two months. And while he's not, uh, maybe what everyone thought he'd be, he's at just a, a good, effective starting player. So, or just player in general, rather. So I, they, they've had a rough go, but I don't think he has any interest in going there um, and playing in that situation and the LeBron theatrics. I, I think uh, if he wanted to be with the winner, a bona fide winner, he would just stay where he's at. And if he was going to leave, it was going to yeah. be to make that sort of. Uh, flip the script on the narrative move. And I maybe, and I, I will say this too, it doesn't necessarily mean that he would have to choose the Knicks in that scenario. Like I think Brooklyn has money they can spend this summer, max money, I believe for a slot. Yeah. Um, 
so Brooklyn has contracts that would be valuable to other teams too so right so like you know, if they needed to move Dinwiddie, they, uh, that's that's a really good contract. They could move Dinwiddie. Um, D'Lo, they could let walk, I, I believe, at the end of this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. But see, that's their problem. And not to get off on too you know, deep or of a Nets tangent free agent here. Rather. Yeah, not to get on too deep of a Nets tangent here. But, like, you know, that, I, I their issue is that they could go for Kevin Durant, but they're going to end up, you know, paying, uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, they already gave Spencer Dinwiddie a pretty good contract. But, yeah, but, like, I just, you know, I, I guess we haven't really been considered them because of just what a season D'Angelo Russell has had for them and just the fact that I don't I don't see them wanting to give him up or let him walk necessarily. I guess it all depends on when they sign their players, though. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll, I, I, don't, I don't really truly believe that's going to get anybody, but I, I, I don't. I think it's, you know, obviously we can't guarantee he's going to come to the Knicks for that uh, LeBron playbook kind of right. logic. But I, I, I think the most interesting thing about this whole uh, the the Kyrie and the Kevin Durant scenario is that really when you when you take a look at it, the two biggest competitors for both of those players are are both in Los Angeles. Like it's the Clippers for Durant and, it, and it's the the Lakers for Kyrie. And it's just it, it's pretty fascinating to me it would be such a sad state of affairs if you know both of them ended up splitting up for uh, for the other you know the opposite la teams and you know the knicks just end up with nobody but we're not speaking that into existence here uh, yeah i i just think i just think they have to have something planned or they know that they can get a trade off if as a plan b because i don't think you trade chris Dapps to you know, sell the franchise and, you know, I love Dennis Smith as much as anyone else, but you know, if they kind of return with this same team, more or less, and they're pushing the whole rebuild mantra behind Dennis and, you know, whoever the free agent, uh, the, the draft pick is this year, and then Mitch and, and Knox, it's like, I'm going to begrudgingly, you know, have to start talking myself back into like the trust, the process, all these kids are going to be great mindset, but I'd be, Oh boy, would I be angry. Here's like my counterpoint to that is that I'm not so sure that the Knicks necessarily have something lined up. I I don't think they I, do either. I think that they think they do. Yeah, but see, but here's my thing is that I think that they think they do as well. But the biggest issue is that I what I really think they're doing is overvaluing where that pick is gonna land. Like I really think that they might not have something set in stone right now, but their thought process is oh, we're gonna get, you know, the number one pick. We're gonna get a top three pick, and I just, I, I just, they seem to be so bold on these moves that they're making, and they, you know, the obviously trading Kristaps is about as bold as you could get this season, but, you know, it's that you have, it's just so hard to be sure and call anything for certain when it comes to these players and their free agency, especially you know the max unrestricted players, and you know it almost looks like as much sense for them to both stay in their locations as it is for them to go and you know whether or not they've stated what you know whatever it, it hardly matters at this point in the season but it's just i i wonder if the knicks don't have as much in place as we think and they just are assuming that they're going to walk away with zion and everything will be fine my my kevin durant take is that um obviously it's not a sure thing nobody knows this but um I think the thing that happens is it's most likely he signs back in Golden State, but what I, what I think is happening is he probably has some sort of uh, 
stipulation. Like, it, okay, I'd like to stay, but you guys got to get rid of Draymond. Like, I think there's something like that, basically. And then the rest of the, you know, he's going to the Knicks stuff is basically his agent trying to press the Warriors. Like, look, we will go to the Knicks, but, you know, we like to stay here. So are you going to make this happen or not? Like, I think that's a more likely scenario. I just don't think that he would up and leave the Warriors just to come and, and do the LeBron thing. I think that that would be like an alternative. That That's like my gut. You can yell at me about it being wrong. It might be, but that's my gut. I just think like, it's like a, we we're going to be a golden state if they do what they're supposed right. to do. But if, if for whatever reason, they're like, Nope, we're just going to go back to the 2015 warriors and uh, you know, goodbye, Kevin, you were unhappy here this year, you know, ha- have a good one. Um, then he would, you know, his plan B might be to come here or somewhere else. But yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right with that. I think that I think what happens is, yeah, I, I don't doubt that Kyrie or Kevin Durant could be using, you know, the Knicks as a leverage point to just, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe get a little bit more say in their organizations. It's hard to really say what else they could really want from them. But maybe it's it's a whole other team that we're not even considering in here. I just, you know. I, I think that the truth kind of lays in a little bit in between you know, everything that we're talking about here. They're, they're, they're probably not quite as decided. They may have some things in place, but it might be just as easy for them to, you know, back out of those agreements. And in the end, it is their free agency. They do what they have to do with it. And, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're only taking guesses. We're never going to know. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, the LeBron and the Lakers smoke when it comes to Kyrie has been, uh, quite discouraging lately but hopefully uh you know we end up coming out on top there all we can do is hope there's no guarantees not even zion not even Zion. that's the that's the you know we've gone through i mean what what game is this now this is we just played the 67th game of the season uh, so we have, yeah, we have 15 games left and can you imagine, oh, I don't even want to say it. Like just, there's nothing guaranteed. Like you, you fight all this point. You, you just, all of us, all of us collectively, every listener to this podcast is just, we suffer and we drudge through like half of the season and everything. And do we get to the end? You know, the, the first half of the season feels like it's tough and, you know, there's some bounce back games and everything. And then you just go through the second half and it's just bleak the entire way through and especially after the road trip and after christmas and it's just lord there's been some lows to this season i just really hope it doesn't end up you know being another situation where chances out of our favor yeah what happens in seasons like these is at the beginning of the year um we do this sort of fake enthused thing okay guys we know we're gonna lose a bunch of games we don't give a shit about that it's all about development i think there's there's definitely truth to that like there, I think, no, I, there, there is, but it's like, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're like very positive about those things. And then as the year goes on and guys hit rookie walls and the games get really ugly, the team stops scoring. I think the last three games, the Knicks have scored 96, 94 and 92 yeah. points. Yeah. Um, it, it's like as, as it, the grind really starts to hit here, it's like, right. 
the, the, that joy is gone. The final like, stretch when, is when, tough. I mean, yeah. I, I think we could both say, and I think everybody listening would agree that there are points in the season where you just can't, you, you just have to turn your eyes away. You have to stop listening. Like it's, it's, it is tough, but I, I don't think that necessarily, I think that like at the beginning of the season, that, that excitement and that kind of refreshment is real because you want to see what happens. You want to see where it goes. Like it's, it's, there is a possibility that the team could overperform. There's there's the obvious possibility they could underperform like they have managed to this season, regardless of whatever your expectations are. Uh, but, you know, there, there's there's a scenario that we're looking out to play out, you know, whether that's for a success in the short term or the long term. And it's it's just, you know, when, when you start to hit those road bumps, when you start to, you know, things get to detour a little bit and you're just, it, it becomes frustrating. There's just, there's nothing else you can really do, but be frustrated at a certain point. And, you know, it just, this all feels so old right now. It feels so like antiquated now. Like I just want to be, I just want the draft lottery to come up around, you know, basically at this point. And then I just want the draft to come around and then, you know, free agency and everything like that. Like we've been, and pretty much since, you know, beginning of January at this point, We've been in that mindset ever since the trade deadline, really. I'll give it that. Like, it's just been the race to the finish now. And it's it's a long, long race. Yeah, I mean, January January was an especially brutal month. Uh, everybody went ice cold. Um, the team was just really, really bad. And not even, like, the fun bad. Um, there was, of course, a couple of exciting games. But, you know, more or less, it was just, like, bad, bad. And February was no different either. Uh, Kevin Knox has been especially brutal in 2019. He actually played pretty well tonight. We'll get to the, like the game mm-hmm. in a second. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, Mitch after the all-star break pretty much has been the bright spot. You know, like at least for a while, guys were like passing yes. the baton. But then like there was that January to like mid-February when like no one was stepping up enough. Like Trier is still rounding back in a form and he's been playing really, really well now. Um, but Mitch finally started staying in games and really making his impact felt. And it was fi- It was like a relief. Like, Oh, thank Like at least we have someone to watch again. So really, so, really quick. And, uh, you know, I want to get into the, I want to discuss the game a little bit against, uh, you know, uh, who the hell do we play tonight? God, these games are all blended the together. Timberwolves. The Timberwolves. I dude, I've, there's been too many Sacramento Kings games this week. There's just been yeah, the Suns, <laughs> there was, there the was Wolves. Too. I, Holy shit. Everything is just blending in for me. Um, no, but, uh, you know, I was kind of looking back. Obviously the biggest thing with Mitch has been the fact that, you know, he's scoring pretty well. He, his blocks are, are sky high. They continue to get better. And, you know, his, his rebounding has finally started to come around after, you know, just a, a rough start to the season, but really looking solid on that end too. But I mean, uh, you know, his greatest skill is as a shot blocker. Can, and, can I? Can I read you a stat about well, the shot blocking? Oh, I was about to uh, rattle off some other stats, but please. Uh, okay, rattle off yours first. When's the last time that Mitchell Robinson had a uh, a game with less than two blocks? Oh, this is going to be terrific. Uh, it had to be like beginning of February. It was February 1st. Ah. He had one block. Before that, it was January 17th. And that was the second game that he came back from his uh you know his extended uh period of time he missed in December and early uh early January. But I'm looking through it right now. Yeah. 
the last time that he played in a game where he had zero block shots was December 12th. That's and good. yeah, it, it was a horrible game. It was a loss in Cleveland. It was, it was a minus 17, that whole game. Uh, you know, it really took that injury for him to start coming back around. But ever since it's just been, I mean, God, he's been outrageous, but you had a shot blocking statistic you would like to talk about as well. So per NBA.com slash stats on Twitter with five blocks tonight, Mitchell Robinson becomes one of eight rookies in NBA history to record at least two blocks in 15 straight games. The other seven are Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson. Those are three very good names to begin any list with. Uh, Manute Bowl, Akeem Olajuwon. It's a very strong five so far. Uh, Mark Eaton and Tree oh Rollins. God. Oh, my God. Tree Rollins. Shout out to Tree Rollins. <laughs> Shout, just, just for the name. <laughs> oh, man. He's great. I remember. God, just or, a lot of 2K with Tree Rollins. But, uh, or, or is he Tree Rollins? I'm going to go with Tree Rollins. But I, I feel you. I got to pay homage to Henry Rollins on this one. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's just, God, what a list. I mean, like, you know, Mitch is, is such a different player than all of those guys. And, and most of those you know players tended to play quite a few years ago. But yeah, it's just his. It, it just really looks like he has unmatched potential on, the, on like the blocking on the, you know, on, when it comes to blocks, like. He obviously still needs to get in position a little bit more. He tries a little bit too hard sometimes, you know, especially on the three-point blocks. But it is a skill of him still. You know, every now and then he's gonna get caught on it. But you know, still, it, it's it's something very unique to his game. And he's just, you know, he's making the legendary strides here. I mean, like that list you just you just read off. Those are Hall of Fame players, especially Tree Rollins. Well, and I, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. It, it, I'm just, it's just, it's really fascinating where just his whole storyline, just him. You know, being a second round pick to, you know, not playing in college before that and, you know, being an all uh, uh, McDonald's All-American before that to like, it's just, I have no idea how to like still properly evaluate this guy. And he's, you know, he's played over 60 games this year. So I have another Mitchell Robinson stat. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned a date before February 1st, which was the last day that uh, Mitchell Robinson did not block two or more shots. Right. Um. So, per the MSG Network's broadcast, Mitchell Robinson has the highest percentage of his team's blocks in the NBA since February 1st. Um, mm. I think I might have said February 1st twice. Uh, Mitch uh, had 48 total blocks, making up 81.4% of the Holy Knicks' total blocks. Holy shit. Yes. The That's second incredible. place person was Miles Turner with 47 and 81%, respectively. Uh, and then Gobert was 35 total blocks since then for 62.5%. Wow. And then Drummond was fourth with uh, 30 and at 62.5% as well. So I, I don't know if we're going to see more players come into the league kind of like Mitchell Robinson, where they're like, you know, completely and utterly defensively oriented and just li- like exist for the block. Like everything else will come around, but. You know, Robinson exists for the block right now. It's just, I wonder, It's he's like the first center I really see who just does like just that with like his range of movement and just like his flexibility and just, and it's, it's fascinating. And I wonder how 
often down the road, we're going to be able to see players replicate just what he can do. I have one last stat. Oh, here we go. I love the mid-segment. On uh, Mitchell Robinson. And I'm just trying to pull it up. So, uh, Anthony, was there another franchise center drafted back in 1985? Somebody notable? Imagine who. So, you know that... uh, (laughs) You know that that big fellow Patrick Ewing. I know Patrick Chewing. I don't know if I know of a Patrick Ewing. So so Patrick Ewing uh, might be a distant relative, but mm. so in uh, their first fifty games, Patrick Ewing had one hundred and three blocks mm. for two point zero six blocks per game. Mitchell Robinson in his first fifty games, one hundred and eighteen blocks. Wow. For 2.36 per game. And he's the last rookie to average at least 2.3 blocks per game. Uh, I don't know if you want to take a guess. Um, I, I, I can't even think of it. Who could it be? Uh, it was this little known fellow by the name of Tim Duncan. Oh. So pretty much every time Mitch does something related to blocks... He's on a list uh, with Hall of Famers, or he's doing something a Hall of Famer has done. Yeah. Um, I obviously am not going to make any outrageous claims that he is a future Hall of Famer, but he is taking very important uh, steps are- in his development very quickly, and it bodes very well for his future, which I am excited for. And I, for once, hope that we keep a single rookie past his rookie contract mm. in New York, and I'd love for it to be him. Well, this is like this is how you measure potential, right? Like, like obviously, this doesn't tell us that Mitchell Robinson is is a future Hall of Famer. It's not going to predict the future for us or anything. But it's how you know these kind of benchmarks and seeing like there's obviously a lot of glamour stats out there, and especially you can associate them with the defensive end and everything. But you know when you see like you know raw number of blocks and just compare where you know Mitchell Robinson's impact on the court to you know what some of these Hall of Famers have done in one you know role of theirs or another it's just this is how you can kind of tell whether or not somebody is going to be able to perform at a high level you know how high of a level is still to be determined but you know these kind of flashes like these kind of benchmarks he's hitting like this is what's so encouraging about him and just the fact that he's so good this early and like you know is so affordable for the Knicks over the next couple of years it's 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 a wildly uh exciting you know he's an exciting a wildly exciting player to have on this team he's a very exciting piece for the Knicks future moving forward yeah figured out I'd pack a little extra with the Mitch stats in uh light of you know Brian's absence here tonight yeah I'm really upset we're doing this without him yeah I had I had to make his impact felt uh I knew that I knew we needed the extra Mitch punch because uh, that's all we got, man. That's all we got right now. Yeah. Before before we take you through the rest of the game, just, you know, as we were saying before, make sure you've liked and followed us on all platforms. Please 
we need uh we need some more subscriptions coming up i think we teased out a giveaway a couple of weeks ago we never did anything with so we should actually do that now but uh we'll do we'll, we'll get uh you know give us a subscription give us that five-star review uh you know unsubscribe resubscribe whatever uh we really appreciate it we love hearing from you all uh shouts to the youtube comments you guys are great um and so let's let's kind of take a look at what you know what else happened for the next tonight so they lose to the minnesota timberwolves 103 to 92 um you know kind of opposite of what we saw against like sacramento previously it's they almost kind of had came together towards the end they had a you know they outscored the the timberwolves in the fourth quarter but uh you know ultimately they just you know they fell short another game but you know the wolves didn't even have carl anthony towns they had no wiggins uh you know taj gibson was their leading scorer for the night um so yeah not a great showing but we did have you know some performances from from individual players we talked about robinson already and you know how transformative he was actually real quick before we get off of him he had four blocks before he had his first personal foul tonight. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that didn't come until like you know, midway through the third quarter. So, uh, you know, just another impressive stat from him. But why don't we get started with uh, Damian Dotson? Uh, plays a team high 41 minutes, goes 10 for 19, scores 26 points, you know, six assists, six rebounds. Um, you know, he had a huge game tonight and his performance was great, but I just want to call quick attention to his consistency. Like this is a guy I'm looking at his numbers on, on basketball reference right now. He has, you know, he's doubled his scoring average from last year. He's gone up from 4.1 to 9.9. You know, his minutes are are way up from 10.8 to 25.5, but his field goal percentage is is slightly down, you know, about, about, uh, you know, 3%. Uh, his three-point percentage is way higher, almost you know, at thirty-seven, almost thirty-eight percent, and like, it's it's so similar to what it was, you know, just all across the board. Just the level of consistency has been able to just translate into bigger minutes. It's it's definitely encouraging for what he's been able to do, both as a reserve and as a starter. I think if I know everybody wants him to start, but. I think if uh, he's not going to start, then he needs to be closing games, similar to how we always felt about Frank last year, especially. So um, I think against the Kings game, Fizdale said he was really wounded, and that's why he didn't play. Um, I So I get why he's, you know, not starting, I guess. But uh, I, I just think they got to make sure he always closes out the games. I, I think they did a better job tonight with that. Yeah, I mean, like, he's really proven to be the most consistent wing on the Knicks roster this season. I think even going back to when, you know, Hardaway was still on the team, too, it's just, you know, the level of expectation you can get out of Damian Dotson night after night. Like, he's not a guy who's going to go off for 26 points every night like he did tonight, but he's capable of it. And even when he's not, like, he's just, he just fits into the offense well. He looks like, like, I can very much see over the course of this season, like, his improvement. Like just just the way he takes care of the ball a little bit more at you know towards the three point line, his passing looks like it's improved a little bit. Um, you know, like he's just he he like can pause a little bit longer. Like he 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 waits. He can read his defender better. So he's really really shown that he's going to be you know he could be another piece for the Knicks that they could have gotten on you know a cheap contract who uh, you know could be sticking around to provide a little bit of an identity for this team for a little while. 
he's just a great role player, especially if the Knicks go through with their big free agency signings. Like, Dotson's a great guy who's going to be able to fit around anybody. Yeah, and for whatever reason, when I opened my mouth before, I was still stuck in... Uh, I was thinking about the Kings game, and I thought about Mitchell Robinson not playing down the stretch. So I don't know why I did that. But uh, Dotson, we wanted him to play a lot last year, and he didn't really get to do that. And when he did, he played pretty well. You know, he had that career night against the Wizards when he went off for, I think, 31 points. So um, he's made the most of his minutes this year. I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I feel... I'm getting pretty confident in, in him, like you said, you know, being an impact starting wing. Is, he's a guy. What I, he's I, a guy. I just think I, you always need a guy who's, you know, tonight he was kind of doing everything. He was shooting, obviously, which is his thing, which is great. But he was also making a lot of off-ball movement, which nobody, literally nobody in the Knicks does. Nobody moves the right. ball. And he made a couple of really nice cuts, even if guys weren't finding him. You know, DeAndre Jordan had one really nice find in the first uh first couple of plays really, but you know, it's nice. Like you always need a guy like that. You always need like that rip Hamilton dude. Who's just running. Right, right. That's a good comparison for him. I like that. Yeah. And maybe, maybe he can develop into that kind of, I don't think he's going to be ever as good as rip was, but if he can develop into like a poor man's rip, like, you know, like a JJ Reddick, like you just need a guy who's always moving. It's well, just Monday very will... important to the offense. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that that's why he plays well with Vonley too. Cause I think that he's the other guy on the roster who, who moves well without the ball and they bring an interesting, you know, lineup combination to, to you know, with the starters, but they bring you know, a little muscle too on the rebound. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a pretty good rebounding wing Dotson. Yeah. Yeah. Dotson's, uh, yeah. Uh, trying to see how many rebounds per game yeah he's, he's average he's averaging like three and a half a little over three and a half rebounds per game this season that's up you know pretty considerably from last year so he's just you know like he's the kind of guy whose ceiling doesn't really concern me as much you know like like he's good now i can see how he's going to be able to fit in with just about anybody else like i have a feeling he's going to play up to what the, his other teammates present for him like he's not going to be he's not a dominating you know take over a game kind of player you know, on a night-to-night basis, he obviously had a lot of that tonight, but, uh, you know, he's just, his ceiling is less of a concern to me because I know that he's going to be able to fit in whatever his role ends up being with, you know, higher talent around him. Yeah, and, and that's, and again, I, I, I don't know where he ultimately ends up. I always, when we have these seasons like this, I always try to remind everybody that, you know, guys always look a little bit better. Uh, when they get this much opportunity on a really bad team and uh, we can talk ourselves into guys a little bit, but I really do think that um, Dotson's going to be a, a good player, whether he stays here or not. Um, I just think you always need a guy like that. We, we know that regardless of this team being good or bad, that he's a pretty good defender. Um, but on the wing, you always need a pretty good defender. And on the wing, you always need a pretty good defender who can shoot threes. So he's going to have a job for a while now after this season, I feel confident saying that I hope he sticks around here for a, a while longer. Anyway, I hope it's not just another guy who's out in the next year or so, but um, yeah, you just, you always need a guy like that. And it's just important because he can kind of do things like tonight. He had six assists as well, you know, and, and he stepped up with, and he's not normally the leading scorer, you know, it's, a, it's lately it's been a Dennis Smith or, you know, Trier's had some big nights, but it's it's never really him. 
So he's had a couple of big nights this season, but it's not something you can count on. Normally we find him in that like mid teens range if he's having a pretty decent night. So, but he's like a, a player like that. who Sometimes you just need that. If guys can't get going, you need your shooters to be hot and be ready and take a little bit more shots, you know, be a little bit more aggressive and you know, make those cuts, you know, run a little bit harder. And Dotson is that kind of player. And those are, you know, sometimes what make, you know, help solidify a good team off the bench or just as a guy who doesn't need the ball, doesn't care if he gets the ball. So he's starting to put it together. Um, I, I believe in him and uh, I, I hope it works out. I, I, that that's the kind of a, like a bench glue guy that you would need on a good team, you know? Let's turn our attention now, kind of the opposite of where we're going with Dotson, but uh, Kevin Knox is obviously, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, you know, he's struggling. He's still struggling. The, the, the conversation hasn't changed very much. I thought he had uh, a decent game tonight, but just, you know, the, the consistency is not there, and it, it's often even hard to even find flashes of him looking good at this point. You know, it, it's the shooting is, is still not there. He's still only shooting 35% on the year. Um, I just, you know, it's obviously, just like we're saying with, with Mitchell Robinson, we can't call him a Hall of Famer yet. It's way too early to, to count Kevin Knox out on, on really anything in his career. But just do you, I, do you have any updated opinion on, on where you stand with the whole Kevin Knox it's conversation? Like, is he somebody that do you still, all right, here's a good way to put it. Do you still project him to be the kind of player that you projected him when he was coming out of the draft? Well, as I've owned up to a couple of times, I didn't really like Kevin Knox coming out of college. Um, I, I didn't like see it with him. I understood why people liked him. He was a, a, a tall, you know, very lengthy four basically is what he was projected to be. Um, obviously he spent time at both positions this year, but ultimately everybody is hoped that he ends up as the four, but, um, you know, I, I wasn't really high on him. And then the last couple of weeks, right before they, um, they drafted him, you know, when he was rumored to come to the team, you know, Matt Spenley, you know, our former podcast host here, um, fucking shouts to Matt, man. Yeah. God, shouts to Matt. And, uh, you know, he, he, he liked Knox and obviously every prospect has their flaws and we covered them a lot with him, but, um, you know, he talked me into what could be good about Kevin Knox and, uh, as did other people more knowledgeable about college basketball than I am. And then I start, you know, I think Matt Moore put it best on Twitter. You know, he, he said, uh, you shouldn't really be worried. I was like, why? He's just like, uh, three point shooting big out of Kentucky period. I think you'll be fine. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, when you put it that way, I'm a little bit more at ease. Like, yeah, that's a pretty good point. Kentucky just manufactures these NBA players. So I wasn't, I kind of like talked myself into him. And then in the summer league, he played well enough to make me feel good about it. And, uh, you know, when he came back from the injury, he started playing really well in December and I thought he was going to start getting back on track and right. It's just been a rough 2019. So I don't know yeah. that it changes a lot for me. I still think he's going to be a pretty good player. Um, it's it's alarming. Hey, the defense, I don't give a shit about every rookie's bad at defense. Um, you know, next year I'll start really digging into him. But, um, yeah, he, 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 
his thing is scoring and he's not shooting effectively. He's yeah. not assisting at all. He, we've seen him have good games on the boards. We know that he has the tools to be good at them because we see, we saw him do it in December, especially. Um, but he's not doing it enough, and that's part and that's, of like the motor issue too. And it's like you you can't you can't not do all these things while being a score you know a scorer who isn't scoring effectively. Right. He's just like he's really looked pretty one dimensional lately. Like it's not even like you're saying like he he's not he's not a passing he's not you know going to assist on very many baskets. He's obviously not scoring. His field goal percentage is just above 35% on the season so far. It's just like, you know, obviously he doesn't have a lot of confidence in his shot. And that's okay. Like that, I'm not really all that worried about the 35% field goal percentage. But, you know, that's, that, that can't be anywhere near that, you know, next season. Uh, he needs to be able to really take, find a way to take a lot of strides in, you know, in, in this summer coming up and just, you know, really, really finding ways to improve his game because he looks like he's pretty exposed out there right now. He looks like he's really only got, you know, he can only catch and shoot on the perimeter uh, and, you know, and drive to the lane. And he really hasn't been very good at either one of those lately. Um, it, it's yeah. There there's again, though, we did, we have seen flashes of him dominate. We did see, you know, the summer league play, you know, the, the lower competition, of course, but we saw, a very confident, well-composed player in that summer league. We saw in the, in the month of December when he got his rookie of the month award, like we, we saw somebody who is confidently able to, you know, assert himself on the court. And that has just disappeared, uh, you know, in, in pretty much every sense of it. And, and yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of it's probably fatigue. A lot of it, like you said, he does have the physical gifts for this and everything, but uh, he kind of needs to really be able to, kind of recompose himself i think yeah and and i'm just gonna say it's a, to try to reduce the blowback here uh this is not us hating on kevin knox this is not us uh wishing him anything poor this is not us saying that uh he's not gonna pan out as an nba player this is us simply observing on march 10th he is struggling in his rookie season and of course it can get better hopefully it does i think it will i still believe in him very much um, but it's less encouraging when you're not playing well. That's just, that's literally how the logic works. If, if you aren't playing well for a while, we aren't going to feel as good about you. If, and that goes for everybody, you know, when Boudier was playing better at the beginning of the season, we, we liked that. We we're like, Oh, it's good that he's not a dumpster fire. It's good that he's contributing to winning games. Like that's, that's good. And uh, when he stopped doing that, then we resumed to not feeling good about it. So, you know, it's, it's not it's not a hate or us not hoping it goes well. It's just it, it stinks right now. Of course, we believe in it. We want him to do well, but it's not looking good for some things. Hopefully he turns it around. Season's almost over. He gets a full uh, NBA summer in. And, uh, you know, excited to see what he looks like next year, too. But the last 15 or so games here i'd like to see him close out strong he actually played pretty well tonight uh, i thought he did 13, as well 13 i mean he, he played 27 minutes 27 and a half 13 points five rebounds four assists the rebounds and assists are always more important than the points to me because for me he needs to be engaged in all facets when he's having a decent game or else um he's just sort of lazily chucking so when he he had a steal tonight which was not anything wild, but somebody poked the ball loose. He was just aware, snagged it, went coast to coast for a layup. That was a nice play. 
Uh, he was five of eleven from the field, which that's pretty good. Forty-five percent is better than thirty-five percent. I'll take it. Uh, two of two from the line, uh, one of three from deep, which that's all right. It's not great, but it'll do. A uh, couple of turnovers, but you know, if he's going to give you four assists, you take the two turnovers with it. That's fine. I take that any day of the week. So I more encouraging because he's been struggling lately. It's nice to see him have a nice, well-rounded game to hopefully get back on track. Hopefully he can build off this now. But uh, he, he looked he looked good tonight. Took a couple of nice drives, a couple of nice passes. Uh, you know, he had a really nice one of Dotson where he, you know, drew the defenders into the paint with them. Uh, so the help went to him, and then he kicked it back out to Dotson when the help left Dotson, and Dotson drilled the three. So uh, there, there were some nice things he did tonight, too, and it, it wasn't empty by any means. It, it really was impactful. Just good to see. One other player that is having a uh, a tough end to the season because he can't get on the court right now is Frank Nielakina. Uh Frank's missed 19 games so far with this injury. Uh, it's you know he has a groin injury. They haven't been very descriptive about it. It's led to you know a, a number of speculation. He hasn't played since late January, um, and it's just you know obviously all of us this entire season and, and, you know, for much of last year too, have been really just wondering, you know, where, where Frank is just what his actual impact can be uh, like on the court. Like, you know, there's, there's, again, he has those flashes where he, he is driving to the lane. Well, he was starting to shoot, you know, well previously, like he has, he has nights where he can, he's handling very well. And, you know, now we haven't seen him play in, you know, in, in nearly two months at this point. And, it seems like all the progress that he has begun making throughout this year is, is, you know, really in the back of everyone's mind. And, you know, we haven't even seen a minute of him with Dennis Smith Jr. and everything. But, you know, at the same time, you look at guys like, like uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox had like 31 points against the Knicks the other day. It's like, are there, is there anything that you're missing too from, from Frank not being on the court? Like, obviously he's the Knicks best perimeter defender, you know, whether maybe that's him or Dotson at this point, but you know, he's a guy that they kind of were, or they had talked themselves into relying on for, you know, uh, like holding down that, that other point guard, the, the speedy guys in the league. And, you know, I think we're starting to see when you have guys like De'Aaron Fox scoring, you know, all that, all those points on us that, you know, Frank actually did have a value on this team that, you know, kind of was overshadowed by his lack of contributions in other places earlier this year. So, as you know, I don't think Frank Nielakina has really improved in any way this season. Um, and, and I mean that because I'm not going to count he handles the ball 5% better as a win. You know, um, his stats are almost exactly identical to last year um, across the board. He struggled defensively to begin the season. Uh, outside of like the first two weeks, then he struggled for like two months. So it's just maybe two months of exaggeration, but he struggled for a while before getting back on the horse there. And um, he just, yeah, the injuries suck, but I just, I haven't seen anything from him. And I still think that there's a good player in there. I just don't know. 
how they're going to get it out of him, especially since they seem sort of resigned to the fact that he's going to play off ball going forward. Uh, everything's about playing with Dennis now. So I, I don't know what they really want to do with him here. They've, it's, they've never, you know, they never really let him play point. Yeah. And so now basically no matter what happens this summer, right? Like he's always going to be off ball if he stays. Like if Kyrie comes, he's going to be off ball. If Dennis stays and Kyrie doesn't, he's going to be off ball. If if you package Dennis for something, maybe you draft John Morant, you know, maybe he's going to be off ball. Sorry. Um, it's just, it seems like no matter what you do here, uh, he's sort of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. So, well, that's well, cause that's a big problem. That's been the whole conversation with Frank all season because it's been, you know, he doesn't know where he is. It, it, you know, the, he doesn't like, you know, know where to comfortably be on the court. The Knicks don't comfortably know how to deploy him throughout the game. Fizdale doesn't know what to do with him. You know, this, you know, once they overhauled the roster and they got Dennis Smith Jr. in there, a guy who's going to change Neil Kina's, you know, performance and where he needs to be on the court pretty significantly. Like him not being out there, obviously he's injured. Obviously there's nothing you can really do about that, but him not being out there to, you know, learn how to coexist with Dennis Smith Jr. And like try to show the organization that he does have value, like that they can play together and that there can be a, a meaningful uh, combination moving forward. Like this is really hurt. Like this really hurts him. I feel like this, these nearly 20 games that he's missing here, are, you know, could have been some of the most important in, in, you know, determining where his career will head after this year. And, you know, as we are where the next will value him, but you know, him not being out here, it, it's, it's just, he is too in the shadows right now. And it, it's, it's frustrating. I just, I don't know where, you know, where the organization values him, how highly, where he stands in their eyes. It's, it's, Really interesting. I have no idea where I could go with him from here. Yeah, so Fizdale said right before the All-Star break that they were expecting him back. Um, this is like a week before the All-Star break. This was like uh, that. This was after the Pistons game at MSG. And he said, oh, we're going to have Frank either right before or immediately after All-Star break. Like, for sure. And he's like, and if we have to be cautious, then right after All-Star break. But he's coming back soon. So I was like, oh, all right. That sounds totally minor. Like, that sounds perfectly reasonable and fine. Like, yeah, of course you should be cautious and hold him out for, like, the extra game or two and let him just rest. Perfectly reasonable, right? It's been a month since then. You know, like, like what, what are we doing? Is, is he okay? I mean, earlier... Today, I think we got a brief update uh, about Frank, and it it just basically was that he was going to be reevaluated again. Um, he was reevaluated yesterday. He's this is from Nick's PR, a medical update. Uh, he was reevaluated yesterday. He's improving and will progress. His on-court activity this week, including controlled contact, and he'll be uh, reevaluated after the team's road trip. And it's like. So, is he, he going to get any games in the rest of the season? Yeah. So, so after after the road trip, I believe that would put them at, um, I think he has twelve games left at that point, and so obviously he's not going to be able to to really mesh with probably any of his old teammates, let alone Dennis Smith in that time span, um, especially probably working into a new role. So I just don't. 
I, I, I don't I don't know if he's going to be here anymore. It just seems like it, it makes sense for them to try to move him. And it just seems like we always come to this conclusion with this team and, and their young players. But uh, he seems to be the the first, uh, you know, the first piece that they would dangle in front of another team in, in any kind of a larger deal. Like, and, and you and you know, I don't want to trade Frank, but like if they were to get like a, you know, it, it was rumored in the in the Berman article, which you know, take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, consider the source. Any other caveats I have to say. Um, it was rumored that basically they're going to try to get some sort of a first round pick for Frank. And if, if you can get a first, then sure. Like I prefer we have Frank, but if you can get a first begrudgingly, okay, that that's fine. I'll, I'll take the first. Thank you. We have another asset. Fine. Um, but if it's not that, if it's like a, a second, I, I don't, I, I would not feel good about that at all. It just feels like you're better off riding him out at that point. Like, even it's, if he doesn't it's team controlled, yeah. even if he doesn't play. Yeah. And then, what? you know, Frank is, when is his uh, free agency? It's not next summer. It's the following, correct? I believe so, yeah. His RFA, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, he's. it's not like he's carrying a huge cap hit. It's not like he was, a you know, a top three or four pick in the draft. Like, I, I, I still feel like, you know, overall, I, I don't know where... I sit with Neil Aquino now. I don't know where, you know, exactly I would put him. I think, you know, like I was saying before, just missing this chunk of games is so, uh, you know, it makes him so much harder to place what his value is to this team. But overall, like, you know, that that small, you know, amount of cap space you're going to hold on to for his contract, to me, is still worth the potential that he could have. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, man. Well, I think uh, I think that's pretty much all we got to get to for this week. Uh, you know, same thing as I tell you guys at the beginning of the show, same thing as I ask you for in the middle of the show. Please make sure you're following the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Uh, head to our Facebook page, Instagram at Knicks Wall. Uh, you know, we're on Twitch. We got all all these uh, all these platforms you can find us with. Someone's there always. Um you know, follow me and Kyle. Follow uh, follow Brian on Twitter. We have all of our names. Just look them up. It's pretty easy. Uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a five star review on whatever pop- podcast platform of your choosing. Um, what do we got going on over at the nixwall.com right now? So, at the nixwall.com, um, we had a couple of nice things this past week. Um, I, I know there's something coming out. Where is it? Uh, basically, for Alonzo Trier, we have something coming out tomorrow. And this is by Tim. Uh, how do you enunciate his Tim last Cohut. name? Tim Cohut. Yes. So, Tim Cohut. Uh, it's the projecting the long-term fit for Alonzo Trier. So, that should be fun because we all like Iso Dro, the undrafted god. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking forward to that very much. Uh, we had a nice feature by, I think it was Mike Cortez last week about, uh, Dennis Smith jr. And the improvements he would have to make to, uh, you know, really fulfill his potential in New York. And I believe the other, uh, interesting piece was by our own Ty Jordan who wrote about, um, the very illogical Emmanuel Moutier, Dennis Smith jr. Pairing that, uh, Fisdale has kept trying to push and, and and Ty was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll t- if Fizdale wants to do it, we'll, we'll we'll take a look at it. All right. And he 
and he did. So, <laughs> uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting in a way that you'd imagine it to be interesting. And you know, Ty did Ty did good work. It's just what it, it's just you know, it's what we know. It's a very silly yeah. pairing. So, uh, just give it all a read. Uh, just every day, uh, original features every weekday. Just make sure you check that out. Uh, gonna be a busy week for sure, and uh, especially now we get the draft coverage coming up. So. Uh, make sure you guys looking out for you'll probably see more college related tweets for us. That's because uh, this is March. This is what we got to do. The Knicks are going to lose most of the games the rest of the year. And we have to shift our focus to Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett and John Morant and Cam Reddish and uh, Jared Culver and anybody else that the Knicks can possibly get with a top five pick. So you'll be seeing those from our draft czar, Mike Cortez, or myself. We'll be getting those out, and uh, we could talk prospects a little bit more. I think Mike be Mike might be taking over the account uh, certain Saturdays, so look over for that. Um, and that's pretty much it. Just get excited for the draft coverage. That's that's yeah, the time we're of year it back is. up. It's gonna ramp you, back up. Just stay you, true. A couple more guys, games, everybody. Yeah. Stay true. You guys know the deal. Uh, this is what we do. Uh, well, once we hit March, we know we got to get going on draft coverage. It's all we're all thinking about at this point. So um, I'm, I, for one, am very, very excited to read all about Zion Williamson uh, for the next couple of months until we inevitably get the fourth pick. I feel you there, man. I feel you there. Um, yeah, well, uh, well, so that's that's why we have Mike doing the draft boards. We need we need some kind of contingencies plan. We need to know that it's all going to be okay in one way or another, uh, whether or not they get Zion. God, I hope we get Zion. I I think that's that's the thing that would break me. Is if like if we got RJ, I'd be mad, but I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be devastated. Like, okay, still a very good talent. I'm okay with this, but. And, and there's gonna it doesn't matter whose name I say, so I'm not even gonna say a name. If the Knicks fall out of like the top two, especially it's a, it's the top look. three, uh, if they if they end up four or five, and I think there's the the lowest they'll probably end up being able to go with the way the season is going is six. It, if they end up four to six somehow, I that that might be it for and like and then they didn't sign any free agents. That that might be it. Wow, uh, for my my well-being. I'm not saying I'm giving up fandom. I'm just saying like Kyle Maggio is announcing his retirement on air. No, it, it just that would be hard, man. That would be hard after all. This whole season has just been about like, man. Hopefully we can get Zion or RJ, like one of those really top-flight guys. And then the Durant stuff heats up, the Kyrie stuff heats up. You know, possibly uh, Anthony Davis. You know, we have enough assets. Like all, all these things, and then the the comeback, and it's it's just the kids, and then like. Cam Reddish, like it, it, it would be hard, man. It would be, it would be hard for me to do it. I, I would, I would, I'd come around, I'd talk myself into it, I'd be good to go. Uh, but it, it would be, <laughs> it would be something you really hate to see, man. It's a whirlwind. It's, it's gonna be a whirlwind, and uh, plenty more still to come. So, uh, yeah, we will talk to you all on Wednesday night. Wednesday night.